the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Standard. And we're live. <gasps> Welcome to the call. <laughs> um, particularly standard, I say, standard struggle that a lot of people come up with. And again, if you're on the call, guys, feel free to chip in if this resonates with you, if this makes sense. If you've got a question, if you've got anything to add. Um, how to maintain your results is a common one because no doubt probably everyone who's watching this call or listening to this call has at some point gotten results, maybe great results, maybe some results, some small results, some huge results, but not being able to maintain them. So that's what we want to talk about. It's always a common question. I don't know about you, Joe, from clients when they're like, well, how do I, no pun intended, no name drop intended, sustain my results long-term? You know, how do I keep what I've gained? Because so often we see people get these great results and then just drift back. So we're going to kind of discuss, so I suppose, some of the common issues that we see or where people slip up, and obviously how to rectify that. Yeah, we're just going to talk about all your problems with no solutions. Happy yeah. days. There's that phrase, isn't there? What's, I don't know if you know who came up with the phrase of society doesn't have a weight loss problem, it has a weight maintenance problem. Lay Norton. A lot of people, is it Lane Norton, was it? Yeah. A lot of people lose weight, then they don't keep it off. And I think that... We have obviously, in case you know you couldn't read between the lines, have set up a brand to change that in regards to having a sustainable practice that can be followed long term. But it's then making sure that people view it in that way. And I think very often you know, we have people come in who will not do that, who will go, should I be having you know, ketchup or barbecue sauce? Like Those things didn't get you here. So those things aren't going to undo your progress. And it's making sure that... The process is then something you can stick to. I remember once, I don't know if, for the people who remember Big Liam, who was a guy who worked with us for a bit, was a friend of ours. I remember adopting one of his practices once where I watered down my hot sauce because I was reducing the calories on it. And I remember afterwards thinking, what are you doing? I'm also, this is the same man, I'd like to point out, who wants a, a jar of biscoffee during an afternoon at work. So I don't need to be watering down my hot sauce. I need to not be eating biscoffee. And I think, as you know, haha, very funny. But it's what we see a lot with our clients as well, is that people will focus on the wrong areas. And if this is going to be something you can maintain long term, it has to be something easy. It can't be something where you're getting stressed over every condiment that you use and how many sugars, you know, obviously sugars in your tea is the best example, but making sure you're focusing on those bigger rocks in order for you to be able to maintain these results long term and always having that eye on long term. And I think that part of what we do, you know, we have to, we have to play to the field, so to speak. We can't just do a plan and say, right, this is our new thousand day plan. You're going to be with us for three years because that's honestly how long it's going to take you because no one would sign up. Everyone would go, sod that, I'm not paying them for three years. I don't need that long. And so we have to set up a business where 
it's accessible. That's why we do a 28-day challenge so people can look and see how it works and decide if this is something they want to work with longer term. And yet people can make really good changes in 28 days. Very, very few clients, though, who achieve their goal in 28 days and then never regress. And I think that having that eye on longer term is so key. You know, I love talking about my chocolate story. I tried every single way to moderate chocolate. At the time that I broke it, at the time that I succeeded is when I said, right, I'm going to do a year. I'm not going to do a week. I'm not going to do a month. I'm not going to do 40 days. I'm going to do 90 days. I'm going to do a year. And it was only then because you really get used to being in this process because suddenly then one day doesn't matter. And that's one of the big differences I see between that approach and the way that our clients work is that often one day is extrapolated and blown out of proportion and actually it's just that consistency piece that's what most of our the people who struggle miss is they don't just keep going there's no magic skill you don't need huge amounts of willpower and dedication you just need to keep going and that's the hard bit to to know when it's not working and go never mind i'm going to keep going never mind i'm going to keep going the number of times we hear about people, you know, hitting, for want of a better term, the fuck it button or, you know, saying, well, the day's written off, so I'll just keep going. You know, that is indicative of that attitude of I'll start again tomorrow, I'll start again later. And as soon as you can fix that, as soon as you can work on that, you're never going to go backwards too far. And when me and you have spoken about this, said, what do me and you do well that lots of people on Sustain don't do? We don't go back too far. Is we have days, we might even have a week where we mess it up, might even have two or three, but then we kind of rein it back in and go, no, too far. I'm being an absolutely ginormous hypocrite here. I can't tell people X and be doing five X. So we then fill it back in. And I think that's the piece that's missing is that diligence and that willingness to fail. And you know, you talk a lot about the sustained process and what we've gone through as a business and the 101 marketing campaigns. I should show people the inside of our Facebook task manager of all the campaigns we've done that have just gone absolutely nowhere. that have just chewed up cash and time and effort and our hopes and dreams. But it's that willing. This is the one. Yeah, this is the one. People love a quiz. Oh, no, they don't like a quiz. But that's the attitude that you need to have. And it's not something that you have to work hard at having. You already have it. It's just hard to action, if that makes sense. Monologue. <laughs> That's quite for the rest of the podcast. So getting back to the subject of the podcast, how to maintain your results. <laughs> now, just touched <laughs> on it there. But if we look at it from a real kind of extreme short-term example, I suppose, it would be something like, you know, a juice cleanse. Um, uh you know, a shake diet or something like that. Like these are real kind of common approaches that people take for some rapid fat loss. And they'll do like, you know, a, a week of drinking juices or shakes or something like that, get some rapid fat loss. And then what happens? But then they just go back to doing what, exactly what they're doing before, you know, having like potato waffles and sausage for the dinner and beans or whatever it is, whatever you like to eat, um, you know, having cakes for meals and, they'll rapidly put that weight back on. And obviously that's a very kind of short term. You do this for a week, you lose a ton of weight, you bang it all back on because you've not changed anything. That's obviously, again, like a very intense demonstration of what we do sadly see with people is 
people will get a, a degree of success by logging the food, by being coached, by being accountable, by, you know, uh, planning their foods, by, you know, scheduling in their treats, by monitoring their progress, by where, by, you know, tracking the measurements. And then, you know, and then the mindset work, they'll do their affirmations, they'll do the goal setting, they'll, they'll track these things, they'll track all these positives, and then they'll get a certain degree of success, and then they stop doing those. And then they're confused as to why they backtrack. And you know me, I love a good analogy. So here we go. Let me know if you get lost on this one. <laughs> imagine, imagine you wanted to save £5,000 this year. As a, as a family, you want to save £5,000. So you start monitoring your spendings and you start making sure that you make all your own lunches. Then, you know, you cut back and you go, right, well, we're just going to go out once a weekend, you know, once a month, sorry, for food. So you cut back on that and then, you know, you don't buy coffees when you're out. And you do all these things and you save that money. And then you get to that point and you save your £5,000. Fantastic. And then you stop doing all those things. And then you don't check your bank account and then all of a sudden you realise, actually, we've chewed through three thousand pounds worth of that savings because we've stopped doing everything that's helped us get to that point you with me so far on this one joe just about the math the math is the math is sound i was checking it for you there you go excellent now i'm not saying that you have to keep on being massively restrictive because you've already saved that money but if you don't do some of the things that kept you successful you know kept you saving that money like you know slightly tracking your outgoings by making a few tweaks etc you're going to burn through those savings and that's what we see happen like people will go through the sustained system and again let me know in the comments you know if you're guilty of this yourself not necessarily sustained but any other diet they'll be logging the food daily they'll be tracking the weight weekly they'll be you know again doing their affirmations they'll be looking at the goals they'll be doing all these things you know checking their habits and then they get to a certain point they go ah done three months i'm done i've lost two stone amazing and they stop doing all these things that brought them success and then they're surprised when they regress they're surprised when they go back and like i said you know you can lose that two stone and then you don't have to be as restrictive you know you can have a few more treats you can have a few more meals out because you're not pushing forward constantly trying to get results but if you're not then monitoring your weight if you're not still you know logging your food or being aware of it in some way again it doesn't have to be as intense because you're trying to maintain your results it's not a surprise that you start drifting off again on nearly there joe on a smaller scale we'll see people who will be smashing you know in the first month doing their affirmations doing all the goals recording their wins all these things and then by like in a month or two they're like oh, i've just lost my mojo i've lost my focus and you go what's what's different to month one are you still doing your affirmations you still doing your goals no. Why have we stopped? Because they were helping you absolutely smash it through that first month, that first six weeks. Keep doing what brings you success. Like I said, it doesn't have to be as intense. You know, you don't have to be massively restrictive once you've got to a certain point because you can ease off the gas a little bit. You've got that more wiggle room. But if you just go, I'm going to stop doing everything that made me successful, don't be surprised when you do regress. Joe, to you. The word you said there is really good monitor is that that's what I think people do is, and it's what I've historically done is I would follow the processes. Just for reference, I looked earlier today, I've been logging my food, doing my positive, doing my affirmations nearly every day since the middle of July, nine and a half months I've been doing it now. And that's the most consistent I've ever been. There was one period of time in there where I stopped doing it. I stopped wearing myself. I stopped doing those pieces. Guess what? 
I went back to where, you know, I went backwards towards where I've been before. And it really is that case of if you take your finger off the pulse, if you have that overconfidence that you can do this and that this is just going to be one of those things that gets fixed, that it's a destination. What are you showing me? That long enough days. Brilliant. That's really good going. And it's, but that's what you need, isn't it? And as soon as you stop that, because you think, well, I've done it, you know, I can do this already. And I think, ironically, my slip came at the point when I had the most freedom. So I was leaner. I was really happy with how I was looking. I'd have put a few more treats in. But this is the nature of the beast. This is the reason that so many people are overweight and obese, because this stuff is easy to overdo. And if you think, you know, if you think you've got this licked, then you're in for a rude awakening because it's just, you know, fat loss is like a garden. I, you know, my, one of my favorite analogies, fat loss is like an allotment. You have to get in and do the work all the time. It's not a piece of art. You don't hang it on the wall and enjoy it. You work all the time. It's a constant journey. But again, just to pick up on that one, like I really love that analogy because at first it's like, imagine you go to that allotment and it's trashed. There's nothing there and you have to turn the soil, you have to dig everything. But then it's a case of maintaining that, isn't it? And just going in and pruning back yeah, looking after little bits. Another another good analogy on that is, you know, as, as you may have seen, I'm doing up a house at the moment. The first three days, loads of fun. Five hours a day stripping wallpaper isn't so fun when you've been living there for a week and it still looks like hot shit and you're really tired. And I think what you said is that people do really well in that first month and it gets to month two, month three. I've lost my focus. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, living in a house that's not refurbished is a bit like living in a body that you're not really happy with. And you have to just push through it. And I think I was talking to a lady last night, uh, had a really, really, really interesting call with her. It's fantastic. I hope she listens to this so she can hear what I just said there. And she was saying that in every other area of her life, she pushes and she fixes problems and she works hard. And we were talking about overeating and she went, I've got to be honest, I'm just not trying that hard. She's like, I could try harder. I could rip my teeth for longer. And this is a lady who struggled with binging, I suppose, but, you know, has lost a lot of weight, has maintained her weight in a healthy bracket for quite a long time with me now, but is now trying to refine that process. And I'm not saying that she's just, that just trying harder is the solution, but my God, it's a big percentage of it in that when you then have the right tactics with how to tackle this stuff is that it's then about just putting them in when you don't want to. You know, I mentioned in my video, uh, my live video earlier, I've been rowing at like nine o'clock at night and I just start and I think, I do not want to do this. I do not want to sit on that rower for an hour and 10 minutes. I've worked all day, I've done all this other stuff. But then it's about finding tactics that work for you. Or two things, tactics that work for you and also external accountability. I have a coach who sets me five workouts a week. That costs me 90 pounds a month. I will do those workouts from hell or high water because okay. I'm tired. Yeah, because I'm tight-fisted and I don't want to waste my money. But also, because it's really important to me, because I've made a decision, that's something I want to commit to. And I think that then having these commitments is great. You then need to, if you're then not sticking to them, it's then looking at why. And there's, you know, always unpicking exactly what's going on for that individual at that moment. And the, the interesting call I had last night, I just mentioned, was this lady was saying about how if she doesn't try really hard, and she doesn't have to worry about failure. She was saying that everything else in her life, she's tried really hard at and has been ultimately successful at. And this is the one thing that she hasn't been successful at. So she's hesitant to then go all in and to put more effort in because then if it fails, then, well, she's a failure, isn't she? 
makes me think of John Jones, who's a very famous mixed martial artist who used to go out and party the week before his fights, even as a even as a high level professional. And his thinking was then if he lost, he had a good reason and he could just say, well, I lost because I wasn't trying that hard. And I think that there's definitely this, it's quite a, a very false approach and it's almost quite sad because I feel that it's only when you try really hard that you can learn these lessons. And then you can, if you try really hard with something and it doesn't work, you then have the satisfaction of knowing that you gave it your all, was that that was the very best that you could do. And that's how I view my rowing. I've got no idea if I can reach the target that I've set myself. But if I get to one second off or five seconds off, or if I achieve it, the pleasure won't come from that. Don't get me wrong, I'd be really happy to achieve it. But the pleasure comes from knowing that you've gone all in and that you've put that effort in and that you've actually been really diligent in trying something to get to something that was really important to you. And I think that that's a very rare and very hard to get to place. But it's not that I don't want to say it's not that difficult. It's not that complicated. It's not a magic skill. You don't need to read another book or, you know, do another course. You just need to keep going. And if you're being coached by us, like probably you know, everyone on this live call is, you just need to engage in that and the things that we're saying, the things that your coach is saying in order to get there. But just touching on that, that fear of failure thing, it's, it is, it's, there's a couple of things going on in this and that, and I always compare it to, you know, you'll get, obviously when you're younger, you, you might get really nervous about asking someone out or asking someone on a date or something like that. And then you do it. And even if they say no, well, you're still in exactly the same position that you were before, except it's very clear that they don't want to go out with you. <laughs> yet, yet. <laughs> At that point. You know, so you've not lost anything. And then also that like, you know, that kind of, that fear of failure, like you said. And you know, what I like to say is like, if you try something, you always get an outcome. Whether that's the outcome that you want or not, you get an outcome. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, or whether you think it's good or whether it's bad. So for you, you've set, you want the outcome of rowing 2,000 metres in six minutes. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, it's correct. So if you, and then it is how you look at it, and this is where I'm very conscious when I kind of coach clients on goal setting, is if you rowed that in six minutes, you'd be elated or, you know, or 5.59 or wherever it is. Amazing. Absolutely smashed it. But in reality, that's just the goal that you've set. Those are, you know, numbers that you've kind of, pardon my French, pulled out your ass. You've just gone, I'd like to do this and this. You know, whether you, like you said, whether, them, you, whether, you, yeah, whether you're physically able to do that or not, we will see. But, you know, you could set your goal and say, I want to do it in 6 minutes and 30. I want to do it in 6 minutes 32. It doesn't matter. And sometimes people hold these standards these goals you know like in very conscious when we set eventually 28 day smart goals with people like i will lose 10 pounds like okay i appreciate that that's a bit of a stretch goal 10 pounds is a lot to lose you know obviously depending on how much you have to lose and all the different factors going on what i don't want you to lose is five pounds which is a huge amount of weight still to lose in four weeks and be disappointed because you've literally just gone uh 10 pounds 10 pound goal please you know, and, and often we kind of, you know, even when I've had a couple of conversations today with clients today when they've been like, oh, I'm disappointed that I've done this, I've done that. It's like, but you, it's okay to eat what you want to eat. It's okay to eat some cake, whether it's planned in your week or, or not, or you just go, you know what, that cake looks really nice. I'm going to have a slice. You're living by a set of rules that only you are implementing. It's not the law. No one's going to be, 
imprisoned because you ate a piece of cheesecake or something like that. It's, we, we just put so much pressure on ourselves to live by this set of rules that we've made up, essentially. You know, like we see that all the time. Like we sat down and we made up the 10 calorie control habits. We sat down and we made up the eat avoid list. Like if we'd have put down the 11th habit is to eat pizza every single day while standing on your head, you know, would people do that? It's just, don't, just be sensible. I suppose is the main thing, isn't it? It's just like, you know, don't stress out. As long as you're happy and in control of the food choices you're making, that's fine. No matter what they are, whether you're breaking your diet or not. I did, I did air quotes there for anyone who's listening. Whether you're breaking your diet or not, these are just rules that you're implying to yourself. Um, but I feel like we've gone off on a slight tangent as usual with our podcast. <laughs> there was there was something to, to rewind 30 seconds that you said in there in regards to um, the, the, the rules that we set. And I think that, as you say, it's all just self-imposed stuff. And in regards to, in regards to the name of the podcast, which I've just remembered about how to maintain your goals is it's dealing with this adversity. And one of the words that I hear, I picked it up in someone's diary today about talking about guilt now, guilt and love, two, we'll go, go through those two. Because people often talk about guilt around their food choices. And I think guilt is a very useful emotion. It helps you learn from your mistakes. But it's appropriate for theft, lying, cheating. It's not appropriate because you had fish and chips one night. And it's this massive drastification of what's going on. Like You do not need to feel guilty about a meal that you've eaten. And you need to just let that stuff go because you can't change it now. You know, what I ate last night or the night before, that has gone, that ship has sailed. So you are then choosing to feel negative about a decision that you made. That is your choice to beat yourself up about. It. And you need to just let these things go and accept that it's happened and to learn from it. One of the examples that I often use is, you know, I don't regret or feel guilty about binge drinking at university. I wouldn't do it again now either because it's not serving a purpose now. So I'm not going to, I can't do anything about it. That ship sails. I can learn from it. In the same breath, you don't want to feel bad. You don't want to feel guilty. I'm not trying to make myself feel good about past decisions either. We don't want to suddenly go, oh, well, actually, I could have done loads worse. So therefore, I feel quite good. Because then you're just making yourself feel good about crap decisions. I'm not going to spend time making myself feel good about drinking 10 pints in a night. That's not going to be conducive to me going forwards. So we have to pull away the bad. We have to pull away the good. We have to just work on what would I do differently going forward. Take the emotion out of it and look at these things rationally. What was the other one I said? Guilt and regret love. and love. People talk about, I, I was talking to one of my clients. She's worked with me for nine months and then she's just done three months of elite. And she was saying that over Easter, she struggled and she overdid chocolate. And I said, why? What was it? So it just built up and built up. And I just love chocolate. And I said, I'm just going to stop you there. Do you really love chocolate? Do you really love these foods that you eat? Because for me, love is reserved for people, places, and experiences. It's not an emotion that is relevant to a food stuff that has been made in a, in a factory somewhere that is mass produced. You know, my, my favorite gripe, Cadbury's Pots of Joy. If you could make joy and put it in a plastic tub, would you sell it for 25p a go? Of course not. They're just, it's just rubbish. And we, we buy into it because Cabris is worth hundreds of millions of pounds and they have the power to put these messages into you, into your mind. And we buy into these things. And then we think, oh, I need to eat chocolate. I need to have this. I need to have that. My life will suffer without it. 
until we take those things out, until we get to the other side of it. And I know that when I've gone without chocolate, that my life's fine without it. And that's the, the lesson that people often need to learn. And it's a case of, God, he doesn't have to look like your Mrs. James. Doesn't look like you at all, does he? Are you sure he's yours? Anyway. And these, this is the point we need to get to with regards to the way that we look at foods and to challenge how much they're giving us. Someone mentioned in the, the comments about binging and overdoing food and how would I approach that? Well, I would look at how someone feels after that. And that's what you need to hold on to. Because in that moment before a binge, there's a belief that that food is going to add to your life. It doesn't matter what your goals are, how you're going to feel tomorrow. All we're focused on is feeling better in that instant. But if we then go through mentally, physically, emotionally, how we feel afterwards, we can then tie that binge to more negative feelings. And that's how you rewire those thought processes. Because at the moment, a binge feel in the moment, under all these stresses, the binge feels like a positive. So you have to rewire that connection. You have to go through, actually, after a binge, I feel tired, frustrated, bloated, disappointed. You say those words, you start to not feel so good. And suddenly we're going to rewire those things and rewire the way that we look at those different situations. We then also need to look at the circumstances that are going on. It's always a picture. There's always a story to this. When people say, I don't know why I binged or I overate, there are details in here. If you binged every single night for two years, then you'd struggle more. If it's happened sporadically, then what's going on? Are you tired? Is it at the end of the day? Have you been at work? Have you had an argument? And then you can start to unpick these things because so often it's just sequential. It just happens. You know, One thing happens in your eating before you know what's going on, but there are lessons there and you need to be able to unpick these to then go, well, actually, it happens on an evening after I've been at work. So maybe I'm a bit stressed out. And then you can start to reverse engineer this stuff and break it down. And that's the key, absolute key to doing this stuff long term. You know, if people have done sustain and gone away and come back, what's gone wrong? What's the bit that's missing? What haven't you changed? Something going on in your mind. So, for example, with myself, God, I, you know, I've been doing following the sustain system as long as anyone is when it goes wrong, what happens? I go back to, so most recently when I talked about being in good shape and letting it go, because I added in too many desserts. I like eating sticky coffee pudding, I like sweet stuff, and I was having it too often. So for me, there's this perception that having these things, and then looking at the specifics, having a dessert four times a week adds more to my life than having it twice a week. And I can say hand on heart that it doesn't. So then what can I do? Before the event, I can plan my food. So I can say each week I'm going to have two treats. In the moment, I can work on being more mindful. So instead of eating like a starving dog, I can slow down the pleasure and I can get more from it. So, uh, it was a Paul McKenna thing one of my clients was telling me about saying that people who are overweight and struggle with their food spend so much time thinking about food and dreaming about food and planning their food. And then it comes to eating and they race through it. It's a bit like saying, I really like going to art galleries, really looking forward to it for a week and then running around. And, and then being back outside in two seconds flat. If you've got this thing that gives you pleasure, then why are you rushing it? Why are you getting so little from it? You know, we, and mindful eating, I've mindfully eaten more times in the past week than I've done in the other 30 years I've been on this planet because no one ever taught me it. I knew what mindful eating was, but I'd never gone through the process. So that's before planning, during mindful eating, after is the assessment piece. So if you've done sustain a few times, you've come back, 
what's been going wrong and then they're the ways that you would impact this and that's how you can work through it is learning what's that inner voice saying because that's what's throwing you off i need to eat loads to make myself feel better maybe that's not true i imagine it's not because you know people are here paying their money listening to these podcasts because these things aren't making them happy you wouldn't join the free fat loss support group or follow us if you were happy with those decisions and that's to go back to the point i made before about making yourself feel good sorry james last monologue monologue right. tennis <laughs> Is My that, give me uh, his lunch. <laughs> we dinner by the time I'm finished. <laughs> is if we just try and make ourselves feel good about those decisions, if I just go, well, I binged, but it could have been worse, then I'm not learning from it. And I'm missing that chance afterwards to do something different. And that's what's really key is to be willing to face up to when things don't go right and not just sweeping it under the rug and going, okay, this is what happened. And then trying something new. Back to that first point about that diligence, that perseverance. I've probably tried more ways to fix my eating than any of my clients because i just keep trying and that's the kind of the missing piece i mess up as often as anyone else but it's i don't have months off i have days off or, or hours off cool i'm done my job <laughs> that's it so, to, 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 we'll try and go full circle on this one he just woke up from his nap he was knocking on the door i thought it was tanya like she knows i'm on a call she gets out <laughs> go the door, like let me in daddy office um oh listen to go yeah, kind of, kind of full circle on that is like it's you know doing what brought you success. Now, again, it's very much I don't know where it's come from. Really, this kind of like diet paradigm of twelve weeks, ninety days, and then people think, well, that's it. I just have to do this for three months, and then I'm good. You know, or again, you know, sadly, a huge thing that we see isn't it, is people overestimating their abilities. You know, like I've struggled for 20, 30 years done every single diet under the sun, but then in three months, I'm fixed. I've had three months of success. You know, even if we go back to when we used to do the seven-day taster, so we used to do, because obviously, you know, we offer coaching, we offer support, we offer accountability. It's very different to your normal, here's a meal plan, here's a calorie tracking, here's access to my app. Not, you know, knocking anyone for those things. It's a very different thing. So we'd go, well, you know, try it for a week. And people will come in again, same story. I've struggled for 20, I've struggled for 30 years. Do amazing through that first week. Really consistent, great food choices. Drop an absolute ton of weight. You know, not uncommon for people to drop four, five, six, seven pounds in a week. Right. Let's crack on. You know, let's keep going. Let's keep this momentum. No, I've got this now. I'm good. Like, you've just said you've struggled for 20 years. We've just done a week of something. The difference has been that you've been coached, that you've been accountable you know, that you've been supported by me. And people, no, nah, I can do this on my own. And you might not be ready to go on your own after that three months. You might have had success. But again, you might need further coaching. You, you might, the accountability might be the deciding factor. You might still need to ingrain these habits. Like Joe said, it's going to be a, a, an ongoing learning curve. And I'm not, you know, this is not a plug for like Joe said, you know, like a thousand day sustained coaching module or something like that it's not all but i'm saying you need to be realistic and look at these things again like what's brought you success has the coaching has the accountability is that something that's caused you to be successful has been able to talk this through with the coach you know look at why we're doing these things have these suggestions again just having that mindfulness that's kind of forced onto you kind of by having to report on your food so then we can go you know, are you sure, you, you know, you're really comfortable with these choices, you know, you know, was this planned? And again, it's 
like I said, you're enforcing these rules. It's fine for you to go to the park with your kids and have an ice cream. Don't feel guilty about that. That's fine. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, it's that thing of what has truly brought you success. And if it's that way of eating, if it's the logging, whatever it is, that's what you need to keep doing. Again, like the severity or the frequency of it could reduce because you're already in a better position. But just to completely abandon it and then be confused as to why you've regressed is just a bit nuts for me. And yeah, to, that- hang on, wait, just to touch back on kind of what Joe said earlier about like, you know, kind of, you know, me and him will, you know, regress over times and we'll be like, ah, done it again. I've done it again. Um, you know, and now I need to cut back a little bit because we still monitor these things. Because if I went through a period of like, I wasn't tracking my food, I wasn't monitoring these things, you know, I wasn't tracking my weight, guess what? It'd be like, you know, when Magnus was born and I was eating cake all the time, I can get fatter, you know? And then if I'm denying myself, you know, if, I, if I'd have done what I was doing normally and I'd have monitored my food and I'd checked my weight, you know, I'd have gone like, oh, I'm up to 110 kilos. Well, am I looking jacked? No, I'm looking a bit fat. And then I'd have gone, oh, now I'm up to 112 kilos. Now I'm up to 114. You know, now I'm up to 116. Right, let's do something about this. But I didn't. I ignored all the stuff that you know normally keeps me in, in check, like not eating cake every single day. I'm going to blame it on uh, breastfeeding. Not that I was breastfeeding. But it's like two cakes for a pound. So I'd be silly not to buy two. One for Tanya, one for me. That's how it works. Even um, yeah, except I wasn't <laughs> doing any breastfeeding. Although I probably could have when I was 118. Anyway, <laughs> if I'd have been tr- tracking my weight, if I'd have gone like kept that in mind, I'd be like, shit, James, this is the heaviest you've been in like 20 years. You need to dial that in. Start tracking your food. And then I could have gone like, yeah, I can have a bit of cake because I still got enough calories left to do that. You know, so the things that bring me success are, you know, being consistent with my training, being consistent with my food choices, you know. Sometimes, you know, calorie tracking for the last 300 and some days. I've got like, that's, I've not done 300 days. There'll be days where I've not done it properly. Um, and then, like you said, you know, you can dial that back in and go hang about, you know, so now with the lockdown, I didn't train much during lockdown, quite open about it, hate training at home. Gyms are open. Now I'm absolutely super inspired to train. And I feel like I've been absolutely run over by a pack <laughs> of gorillas. <laughs> I don't know where I came from. Um, so I gained a little bit of weight. But what I did do was I kept on monitoring my food and actively tried to, you know, I monitored my food still every single day. I tracked it. Just my activity levels were down. I know now I'm 101 and a half kilos. I need to peel it back a little bit. But I only know that because if I'd have gone like, well, I'm not training, so I'm not going to track my food. I'm not going to monitor this. I'm not going to check my weight. I'd be way worse shape than I am right now. So again, it's the things that bring you success, whether that is coaching, whether that's accountability, whether that's tracking your food, these are the things that you need to do long-term if you don't want to regress. Yeah, I think to, to, I think that's that's a very good summary of, of how to, to maintain. And I think there's the only thing I would add to that is then the willingness to learn more. And I think that I do more reading and research now than I've probably ever done. The last year, I've done more than I've ever done in the past nine years before that. And I coincidentally I've gotten better as a coach over that last year faster than I've done before because there's so much stuff out there you know there are psychologists who have their own labs who are studying this stuff and we can learn this and there's 
you know, there's just so much information out there and different ways to do it that if you just persevere with this stuff and if you keep looking for ways to get better, you will just have more tools in your toolbox. And I feel that most people come to sustain and they struggle and they open their toolbox and there's one tool in there that's got willpower written down the side. If that's not working, you need to find more tools. There are so many ways that we can challenge your mindset. And, you know, the, the piece I've mentioned before about when I was talking about the binging and visualizing going through that process, there's visualization tools you can do. That tool that I mentioned, there's a different one by a guy called Dr. Judd Brewer, who is a, uh, what is he, neurologist and a psychiatrist, something like that, who works, he's an addiction specialist. You know, this cognitive behavioral therapy, we use DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy with emotional eating. There's all of these tools out there. You can buy books for a tenner ago that will teach you these things. That's the key. You know, that's the, the next thing is just keep looking and keep learning and keep trying things because there's so many tools out there. There's so many smart cookies who've researched this stuff to the teeth that you can just learn this stuff forever. And that's what I intend to do, you know, because I know that it can help. And that's just what I would encourage people to do too is keep reaching outside your comfort zone and just don't think you've got it licked. Like James said, that overconfidence piece is, is a killer because that then breeds complacency and, and struggle. Good. Yeah, all good. Brilliant. Yeah. Hey guys, thank you very much for joining us. As always, hopefully this is of some value. Well done for sticking out 40 minutes. It's like an endurance piece, isn't it? Like a, <laughs> take, like a 10K. Sure, it's high value, Joe. Right, that's it. I'm going to go get my lunch. Cheers, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.